All right, how we doing, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Tell the person sitting next to you, tell them they look better than they did the last time you saw them. Yeah, they look good today. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm so glad that you are joining us today. We are in week two of a series on family, and the reason why we're doing a a series on family is because families really are uh, under attack. Uh, Our enemy comes to kill, he comes to steal, and he comes to destroy, and he's doing everything that he can to destroy families. And so uh, what he wants to do, the reason why he wants to do this is because he knows that if he can get you to, to, uh, to really be a little skeptical when it comes to your family, if he can get you not to trust your family, he knows it'll be easier for you to be a little skeptical of the family of God. He knows it'll be a little easier for you to be untrusting of the family of God. And so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at things that you and I can do to really improve our families and really help our families be the kind of families that God wants them to be. We're looking at things that will help us move towards God and towards the things of God as a family. And we started out by talking about marriage last week. How many of y'all were here for that message last week, marriage? And what we talked about in that marriage is that what you have is two imperfect people. You've got one imperfect person plus one imperfect person. And then one of the things that I said last week is a lot of times what happens is that you add a bunch of centerlings to those things, right? You add kids. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about kids. We're actually going to talk about what children need from their parents. Now, uh, how many parents are out there? You're a, you own a child. Uh, you picked up one or two of those. I got three of them. Uh, uh, Brianna Grace, Sadie Kate, and Lawson Cruz, uh, three kids, and I love them all. I really do. But if you're a parent, have you ever, uh, have you ever really felt like your family was kind of like a circus? You know what I mean? You're like, what do you mean? Uh, well, here's the first off. I love a circus. Okay, I really do. But when you go to the circus, what do you, what do you n- normally see? You know, when you go to a circus, I'll tell you what you see. You see a bunch of clowns, right? You see a bunch of clowns. You see a bunch of wild animals, right? And you see, you see a bunch of daredevils, right? Any parents out there, you kind of feel like that's what it looks like at your house, you know what I mean? Just a bunch of clowns, a bunch of wild animals, and a bunch of daredevils. Yeah, yeah, and parenting really, really, really is uh, is hard. It is. I'll never forget when Brianna Grace, my oldest, was born. She's in here in this room right now. Uh, but, man, uh, it was beautiful. Not the actual birth. Uh, you know, there's some people who say that's a beautiful process. Uh, that's gross. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we have a, just a different understanding of what the word beautiful means, but anyway, so she's born just, you know, fresh out the oven there and uh, they're trying to hand her to me and I'm like, y'all got to clean her up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I can't, I, you know, and so they clean her up, they clean her up and they place her in my arms and she was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Everybody say all. She really was. I looked at her. I had tears in my eyes. And we were at the hospital, and, man, it was great. She stayed in the room with us, and she'd cry a little bit, and Amanda would feed her. And then after a little while, these nurses would come in, and they'd get the baby, and they'd take the baby off to, to the nursery to do whatever it is that they do in there. And so I'm seriously thinking, man, me and Amanda, we're going to be great parents. We're going to be great. And we were at the hospital, and then we had to go home. And uh, what happened when we got home was, was Brianna, Brianna was just crying uncontrollably like she was in pain. And so I'm looking at all this paperwork they gave us when they discharged us. I'm looking at all this paperwork trying to figure out what it is that I need to do. And so I didn't know what to do. And so I, I called the number that they gave. And I was like, hey, I think something's wrong with the kid that we took home. She's, she won't stop crying. She won't stop crying. And so they're telling me, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I'm like, look, hey, when we were at the hospital, there was this remote that had this button on it where you pressed it. And then as soon as you pressed it, these nurses would come. 
come in and help you out. Can we just kind of keep that arrangement going? Can y'all send a nurse over? You know, and they didn't, they didn't do that, though. It would have cost a whole lot of money. But again, uh, I, as a kid, I had taken care of a goldfish, you know? I mean, you put pellets in the water and everything's good for a little while. I had taken care of a dog. You feed the dog. Uh, but when you add a kid, an actual kid into the mix, man, it's completely different. Any parents, you know that that's, that's different, right? It's completely different. And so parenting is tough. And there's all sorts of different styles when it comes to parenting. And, uh, you know, you've seen the different styles. You are a different style. Like when it comes to different styles of parenting, there's a drill instructor parent. Uh, how many of y'all know what a drill instructor is? You've seen a drill instructor. I mean, they're good at yelling. They're good at barking orders. They expect everybody to stand at attention. Uh, well, there are some parents who are like that, right? They really are. They're good at yelling. They're good at barking orders. They're good at always looking like they're mean. I mean, that's their style. It's a drill instructor style. There's, there's another, uh, another style of parenting out there. It's called the briber. Uh, and and sometimes, sometimes, I mean, I'm like that sometimes. But I went to Walmart one time, true story. We're going down the cereal aisle, and there's this kid with his hand extended just like this, and he's just knocking cereal all on the ground, and his mom is yelling at him saying, hey, son, come here, stop, stop, son, come here, and just cereal's going everywhere, and so the kid's running right to me. Y'all like, Pastor, what'd you do? I stuck my foot out like this, watched him go flying down the aisle. Y'all like, really? No, I didn't do that, okay? I thought about it. I got that Holy Spirit, though. It was there to self-control, you know, but, I, but again, I watched the kid finally stop. And the mom was like, the mom said, look, if you'll just give me a few minutes to finish up, I'll buy you some candy. She was bribing her son. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, that kid's already had way too much candy. He's bouncing off the walls. But again, there's, there's different styles. There's different styles of parenting, even like a beggar. There's a beggar style of parenting. Anybody know what that is? You're just like begging your kid, please do what I'm asking you to do. Anybody seen somebody like that? You know what I mean? I'm like that sometimes. Please go to bed. I want to go to sleep, kids. I'm tired. But again, there are all sorts of different styles when it comes to parenting. And if you've got more than one child, what you will notice is you will probably have to use a different style for each child. Why? Because each child is unique. And each child responds to different things in different ways. But it doesn't matter what style parent you are. I want you to know today that there are certain things, there are certain things that every child needs from their parents. And that's what we're going to talk about first. I want to point out seven things to you that every child needs from their parent. If you are keeping notes, you want to write it down, the first thing that I want you to see that every child needs from their parent is they need their parent to love them. They need their parent to love them. I love the story in Mark chapter 10. Uh, man, Jesus is teaching the crowds. He's interacting with adults, and something interesting happens in verse 13. Here's what the Bible says. It says that people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. And verse 16 is what I want you to see. It says that he, Jesus, took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed 
them. What's crazy about this passage and at this particular point in Jesus' ministry is that there are kids there and the disciples are thinking, man, those kids are really bothering us. They're thinking, Jesus, there's all these adults over here that need our attention that you and I really should be giving our attention to. Don't bother yourself with those kids. But Jesus stops what he's doing He places a child in his lap. And the Bible doesn't say this, but I can actually see Jesus kind of interacting with that child. You know, like maybe trying to give the child five. And when he puts his hand out there and the kid goes to giving five, he moves it real quick. He's like, you got to be, you got to be a little faster now. Maybe, maybe Jesus took the kid's nose, but like, you know, since he was God, he like really took the nose and like everybody's freaking out. Ah, I don't know, but I mean, I can see him interacting with these kids and what he is illustrating to everyone, even the people in this room, is that children are important. Children are important. Parent, your kids are important. Psalm 127 verse 3 says this about kids. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. See, folks, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what season you are in in your life, you need to understand that children are a gift. They're not a bother. The Bible says they are fearfully and wonderfully made. They're not a mistake. They're made on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose. Again, they are a gift. But unfortunately, a lot of parents either don't believe that or they don't know it. Because in the society in which we live, there are so many absent moms and so many absent dads that it's so sad. It's so sad. And what happens a lot of times for kids is because they're not loved by their parents is they're spending so much time in the world looking for love and value from other things. And I want you to know what the world will tell your kids. The world will tell your kids that unless you're beautiful, you're worthless. The world will tell your kids that unless you're getting all these likes on social media, unless you're getting all these likes on Instagram and Facebook, if you're not getting a whole lot of likes, you're worthless. The the world will tell your kids that if they're not the best at this sport or that sport, the world will tell your kids that if they're not the best at this thing or that thing, that they're not worth anything. Parents, we've got to do a better job. I tell my kids every single day, multiple times a day, that I love them. And when I tell them I love them, a lot of times they'll say, Dad, I know that. You tell me that every single day, and I will keep Telling them, I'll say, yeah, I'm going to keep on saying it because I just want you to know it. See, folks, I I didn't have a dad growing up. My, My dad checked out. On my family, when whenever whenever I was born, my my dad my dad checked out, and then when I was five years old, my father committed suicide, and so I literally don't know if there was ever a single time in my life where my father told me that he loved me. I don't know if he ever said it a single. Time And that's not going to happen with my kids. I want my kids to know that they are loved. I want them to know that they are loved at home. I don't want them going off in the world looking for something they've already got at home. I want them to know they're loved. You've heard that song, looking for love in all the wrong places. I want them to know at home that they're loved. And that's what kids need. And there are a lot of people who don't believe that. But man, the great theologian Tupac had a song back in the day called Dear Mama. Anybody remember that song? Man, that was my jam story of my life. I quote parts of that, that song to my mom every day, every, every year at least for Mother's, for Mother's Day. I'll say, because through the drama, I can always depend on my mama. 
And when it seems that I'm hopeless, she says the words that get me back in focus. You know what I mean? I love that song. But there are more lyrics to that song. There are more lyrics to that song. There's more words to that song. I want you to see what else Tupac says in that song. Tupac, here's what he says. No love from my daddy because the coward wasn't there. He passed away and I didn't cry because my anger wouldn't let me feel for a stranger. They say I'm wrong and I'm heartless, but all along I was looking for a father. He was gone. I hung around with the thugs, and even though they sold drugs, they showed a young brother love. See that? It was the thugs that showed him love. Not his dad. That's what he was looking for. He was looking for love. His parents, listen to me. Do you just assume that your child knows that you love them? Or do you actually do what's necessary to show them that you actually do? Because I'm telling you, what every child needs, every child needs from their parents is they need for their parents to love them. The next thing I want you to see that every child needs from their parents is they need their, they need their, their, their parents to lift them, not just love them, but lift them. What am, I, what am I talking about? I'm talking about encouraging them. How many adults do we got in the room? Some of y'all aren't raising your hand. Y'all ain't Peter Pan. Raise your hand, right? I don't want to grow up. You're an adult, man, right? There's a lot of adults in this room. Adults, let me ask you this. How many adults in the room have ever had something happen in your life and it made you feel less than? It brought you down. It discouraged you. It broke your spirit. It crushed your spirit. It happens to adults. Maybe you didn't get the job. Maybe you didn't get the job that you wanted. Maybe you didn't get the, the promotion. Maybe you didn't get approved for the car. Maybe you didn't get approved for the credit card. Whatever it is, it could be a number of things, but it happened and it brought you low. It crushed your spirits. I want you to know that even if you as adults are feeling that, you need to know that kids feel it every single day. Did you know that suicide Suicide is the second leading cause among young people ages 10 to 24. Suicide. I'm telling you, this world wants to drag your kids down. The enemy wants to steal, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy, and so he'll use this world to rob your children of hope. That's why, parents, we have to be a daily source of encouragement for our kids. I love the fact that even God the Father spoke words of encouragement to God the Son. He spoke words of encouragement to Jesus. I want you to see this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. Jesus has just been baptized, and after he's baptized, look at what the word says. It says, in a voice from heaven, God's voice says, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. The father loved his son. He wanted him to know, I'm well pleased. He said, good job, son. Parents, unfortunately for so many of us, sometimes all our kids ever hear is you need to clean your room more. You need to do this right. Why can't you do this right? What'd you do wrong now? Unfortunately for so many kids, all they hear is negative, 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 negative. That's all they hear. Because so many parents, all they want to do is point out the wrong that their kids are doing. But folks, I'm convinced that for every one thing our kids are doing wrong, they're doing seven or eight things right. And we need to point out some of those things. Need to let them know, I'm pleased. You're doing a good job. Encourage them. I'm telling you, what children need their parents to do is they need them to lift them. 
Not only do they need them to love them and lift them, but the third thing, if you're keeping notes, you want to write it down, that every child needs is they need their, their parent to limit them, to limit them. And when I say they need them to limit them, what I'm talking about is discipline them. Folks, I don't know if you've looked at our world, but man, our society is a free-for-all, right? Everybody's acting crazy. They're running wild. So many teenagers in our world are doing wrong. I'm talking about bad wrong, real wrong. And when they get caught, the world rushes to their side and says, oh, they're just kids. Oh, they're just kids. They're just kids being kids. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. If you say garbage like that, you're part of the problem in our society. I'm serious, man. When I was a teenager and I was doing wrong, I knew exactly what I was doing. Teenagers know what they are doing, but it's not just teens. It's kids, period. Kids have no boundaries these days. It's crazy to think we'll, we'll tie our dog up in our yard, but we let our kids just run free and go everywhere they want to. We don't even know where our kids are. But I want you to see what the, the Bible says. I want you to see what the Bible says because here's what we think. We think that if we discipline our children, the devil has told us a lie, and we believed it. The devil has told us that if we discipline our children, th- th- they'll think we don't love them. That's what the devil says. But look at what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. The Bible says those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. So the Bible says that if you love your child, you'll discipline them. How many, how many parents in this room, how many parents in the room, period, period, parents, 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 how many parents want to be a Christian parent? You want to be a Christian parent. If you want to be a Christian parent, you've got to understand that discipline is part of that. It is, it is biblical. Discipline shows that we love our kids. Discipline teaches our kids how to respect others and how to respect thing, things. Discipline teaches our kids to do right, and our children need us to limit them. So we need to love them. We need to lift them. We need to limit them. The fourth thing that I want you to see that every child needs from their parent is they need us to lead them. They need us to lead them. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, man. The greatest leadership example I have ever seen is monkey see, monkey do. Everybody say monkey see. Monkey. Now I say monkey do. Monkey. That's right. Monkey see, monkey do. Sadie Kate is my eight-year-old. She's eight, and like when she was little, you know, and she loves to take a bath still. She'll stay in the bathtub for hours, okay? But she loves to take a bath. When she was little, we'd get her out of the bathtub dry her off or we'd go to dry her off. And you know what she would do? She'd take off running around the house. She, t- I mean, I'd be like watching television. All of a sudden, this naked kid, ah, I'm naked, I'm naked, I'm naked. That's what she would do. And now, now Lawson Cruz, Lawson Cruz, when you get him out of the bathtub, you know what, you know what, you're trying to get him dressed and you know what he's doing? Naked, naked, naked. Man, if my kids never would have seen Amanda act like that, you know what I'm saying? They wouldn't do that. She needed to do a better job, right? Monkey see, monkey do. But seriously, it's the greatest leadership example I know. Parents, you want church to be a priority in the life of your kids? They need to see it be a priority in your life. You want prayer to be a priority in your life? When was the last time your kids walked in on you on your knees praying? 
You want, you want the word of God to be a priority in your life? When was the last time your kids walked in and actually saw you reading the word of God? You want them to seek God first? When was the last time they saw you seeking God before all and above all? You have to make it a priority in your life because monkey see, monkey do. It's sad that so many of our kids see us doing all kinds of wrong things and they never see us doing the right things. We set the example. See, folks, the Hebrew word for the word teacher, teacher and parent is the same thing. It's the same thing. And the best way for you to lead your children is to do it by example. They need to see it in you. They need to see it in you. you need, they need to see you truly seek God, and you need to lead them. Here's what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. What does that mean? Exasperate. Fathers don't exasperate your children. It means don't frustrate your children. It doesn't mean always be fussing at your, it means don't, don't always be fussing at your, your kids. Don't always be yelling at them. Again, Ephesians 6, 4 says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, bringing them up in the instruction and training of the Lord. What does that mean? What does that mean? To train. If you're going to train, you don't just train once and stop. Do you, Kevin? You train over and over and over again. You train on the days where you don't want to train. You train on the days where you do want to train. You train on the days where it's easy, and you train on the days that it is not easy, and that's how parenting is we are supposed to train them and lead them in the instruction of the Lord. Our kids need us to lead them. The fifth thing that our kids need from us that I want you to see is they need to see us laugh with them. We need to laugh with our kids. I, I saw some research this past week that said that the average four-year-old, the average four-year-old lasts 400 times a day. 400 times a day. That's, I don't know how that's possible. They just walk around. <laughs> that's a lot of laughing. I don't, I don't understand, but you know how, how many times the average adult laughs? Four times a day. I don't know about you guys, but I like to laugh. I like to have a good time. I, I like to hear my kids laugh. I, when I tell jokes and y'all don't, y'all don't laugh, that's, that's mean. Mean. I ain't, I'm, I'm praying, I'm, y'all, I'm praying for y'all. Y'all got to laugh at my jokes. But again, I, I love to laugh, and I saw some benefits this past week of laughing. I was doing some research, and I saw some benefits. I read an article that said, actually, that when you laugh, laughter relaxes the whole body. It, it relieves the body of tension and stress. A lot of times, people are stressed out, and all they really need to do is laugh. The, the article also said that laughter will boost your immune system. For a lot of people, they don't need a B12 shot. They don't, they don't, need, they don't need a Flintstone vitamin. They need a good laugh. That's what, they, that's what they need. The article said that laughter protects the heart. It's good for your heart. But the most, the most amazing thing that I saw as I was re reading this article was it said that laughing actually burns calories. It burnt, this is true, I'm true, I read this up, it burns calories. So the next time somebody asked you if you worked out, if you laughed, you say, absolutely, can't you tell? Look at this. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Laughter is good for you. Maybe that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I want to laugh with my kids. I, I want my kids to smile, which means I need to laugh, which means I need to smile. 
It would do every family in this room a lot of good if we would just smile more. You say, but Pastor, I ain't got no teeth. That's okay. Gum them to death. Just gum. See, that? thank y'all for laughing. Right? That's what we want to do. I want my kids' memory of the time they spent at the house and spent with me. I want, I want, I want their time to be filled with great memories. You know, you know what a good indicator of how you did with this is? Is when your kids get old enough that they don't have to be around you, if they still want to be around you. That's a good indicator of how well you did there. The sixth thing that every child needs from their parents and they need their parents to live with them. Some of y'all thinking, man, I ain't done all them other ones good, but I'm doing this. We in the house together. We living with them. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? What I'm talking about is actually spending time with them. See, you can be in the same house at the same time and still be absent. You really can. Uh, they need you to spend time with, you, with them. How many of y'all NASCAR fans? We eh, four. There was only one person in the early service. So we got three, I can't really, three or four, four people. Man, I, I, you watch that NASCAR, what they do? They go round and round and round and round and round and round. And then what will happen is after they've been driving for a little while, they'll need to make a pit stop. They'll need to make a pit stop. I did some research this past week. You know the average pit stop in NASCAR takes 12 to 16 seconds. 12 to 16 seconds. That's amazing. Because you know how much they do in 12 to 16 seconds? They will, like, get you four new tires in 12 to 16 seconds. They will fill your car up with gas in 12 to 16 seconds. They will clean your windshield in 12 to 16 seconds. I went to the gas station, the shell station, right down the road. It took me 30 minutes to fill my car up, man. I, I, was, I was so frustrated. And so we're sitting here thinking, hey, man, look at all the stuff they accomplish in such a short amount of time. Well, you don't, do you know that studies show that the average father only talks to their child 37 seconds a day. 37 seconds a day. What are we going to accomplish in 37 seconds a day talking to our child? Man, we got to spend time with our kids. Every morning I wake my kids up. I sing to Brianna Grace. She'll roll her eyes at me. But, man, I'm, I'm waking my kids up. I wake all three of my kids up. And after I've gotten the kids ready and made their lunches, Lawson Cruz, he'll come bebopping down the hallway, and he walks over to his little train table, and there's a red stool there, and he'll go, he wants me to sit there. He said, come on, Daddy. Come on, Daddy. He wants me to play with him. I'm telling you, if you're a parent, your kids need you to spend time with them. They need it. There's a seventh thing that every kid needs from their parent. If you keep your notes, you want to write it down. They need you to lay hands on them. They need you to lay hands on them. And some of y'all like, praise the Lord. We're talking about whooping. We already talked about discipline. Y'all in the wrong spot. What I'm talking about when I say lay hands on your kids is your kids need you to lay hands on them and pray. When I pray with Sadie Kate at night, I grab her. When I pray with Lawson Cruz at night, I grab his hands. We pray together. This past week, one of the things that we did as a family is we gathered around our dining room table, and we had communion, and we're going to do that once a week, every week from now on. But something else that we did together was we prayed over one another. I got to pray for my teenage daughter. I prayed over her. I said, Father, protect her from the evil one. 
help her to overcome the temptations that she's going to have in life, just as the teenagers in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood strong for you. Let her stand strong for you as well, God. I said put godly people in her life. Remove the evil influencers in her life, the people who are going to try to get her to do wrong. I said give her confidence in who you made her to be. Give her confidence that you love her. Give her confidence that we love her. Make she know that you've got a plan and a purpose for her life. I'm telling you, we prayed over our kids. We prayed over each other, and it was powerful. All of our kids need that. Parents, have you ever prayed over your child? I didn't ask if you prayed for your kids. Because I bet a lot of times when you're going to sleep, you throw up a prayer. I bet sometimes during the day when they pop into your mind, you say a prayer. But because you live with them, because you love them, because of all these other things, have you ever been with them and stopped and put your hand on their shoulder and prayed over them. Parents, listen to me. Hebrews chapter 11 is like the Hall of Fame chapter for faith in the Bible. If you read that chapter, you're going to read about things that Noah did, that Moses did, that Abraham did, that Joseph did. You'll read about a lot of things that a lot of different people did. Great examples of faith. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 and 21, I want you to see this. The Bible says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. He blessed them. What does that mean? What does that mean? If you go back and you look it up, what you're going to see that means is that they actually prayed over those kids. What got them included into the Hall of Fame chapter in the Bible was that they prayed over their kids. I'm telling you, every kid needs a parent who will lay hands on them and pray for them. So those are things that parents need to do. Seven things parents need to do for their kids. But kids, I got three things for y'all. How many of y'all are a kid? All the adults need to be raising your hand too. You got mama and daddy too, you know what I'm saying? We all are. Let me give you three things that your parents need from you before we go, just real quick. First thing that your parents need from you is they need you to address them properly. They need you to address them properly. I heard about a young girl who went up to her dad and she said, Oh man, can I get some money to hit the flick? And what she was asking is, Can I get some money to go to the movies? Oh man, can I get some money to hit the flick? And the dad said, No, you can't get no money. They hit the flick, but you can spread the bed and mop the flop and mop the flop and mop and swish the dish. You know what I'm saying? That's what he said. Do some stuff at the house. Listen to me, kids. When when your parents are talking to you, address them properly. Don't say huh. When your kids are talking to you, look them in the eye. If your, kid, if your parents are kids, if your parents are talking to you and you're just looking off in space, that's why they think you're on drugs. <laughs> are you listening to me? Don't do that. Look them in the eye. Look them in the eye. And, and don't just nod at them. Use your words. You speak with your 
words with your mouth, not your, not your head. Address them properly. You say, well, well my parents aren't real good. It, it doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter. You, you, don't, you don't address them properly based off of their performance. You address them properly based off of their position. You, you do that. You, you see, I, I've, I've been to court before, and you know what happens when a judge walks into the room? Everybody's supposed to stand up. When you address the judge, you know what you're supposed to say to the judge? Your honor. If, you, if you're just in there acting like the judge ain't nobody special or nobody important, that's going to go bad for you. Even if they are a terrible judge, you respect their position. And there are a whole lot of disrespectful teenagers and young people running around today, and it ought not to be that way. Kids, your parents might not get everything right. They might not get everything right, but you don't honor them based off of their performance. You honor them based off of their position. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then verse 2 says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life here on earth. Why do you honor your father and mother? So that you can enjoy a long life here on earth. You start dishonoring your mom and dad at home, and you know what? It's going to be a long, uh, not fun life at the house. That's what, how, how it's going to be. That's the Bible. That's what God's word says. It's the only commandment in the Bible with a promise. Honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life here on earth. You, you say, but I'm a teenager. I don't like being around my mom and dad. That, let me tell you something. They don't always like being around you either. They don't. And teenager, man, I say this with love, but you don't know everything. You don't. You don't. You don't know it all. Did you know that the frontal lobe of your brain, the frontal lobe, the place where you know, good decision-making and sound judgment comes from. Do you know that your frontal lobe doesn't fully develop until you're 25 years old? That means that you don't know it all. That means that really you're just one step away from being brain dead. That's what that means. You don't, you don't know it all. You don't. Did you know that there was one teenager who did know it all? You know there was one teenager who, who knew it all? He knew it all, knew way more than his parents. But I want you to see what the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 51. In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, this guy's name is Jesus, this teenager who knew it all. His name was Jesus. Look what the Bible says. It says that he, then he, Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them, with his parents, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Kids, you see that? Jesus, the one who was perfect the one who was sinless, the one who had all power and all authority, the one who spoke this universe into existence. What does the Bible say? It says he was obedient to his parents. So kids, you need to address your parents properly. The second thing that you need to do that your parents need from you is they need you to accept them. They need you to accept them. They're not perfect. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect I got issues, you got issues, we all got issues. If you think you don't have an issue, that is your issue, right? But if, if you've got parents, you, you, need to, you need to accept them because those are the parents that God gave you. Man, laugh at their joke, even if it ain't funny. You say, well, that's lying. God will forgive you. He'll forgive you for that. Just, just, just throw them a bone every now and then, right? But accept them. So you need to, you need to address them properly. 
You need to accept them. The third thing that parents need from their kids is they need you to appreciate them. Let them know that you appreciate them. No matter how old you are in this room, go to your parents today. Call them. Go to them and let them know that you appreciate everything that they've done for you. They might fall out in shock that you would say something like that to them, but help them back up and let them know that you appreciate them. I remember when I had kids, you know, when you are a child, you, you just don't see things. But when I had kids and I realized how much sacrifice you really have to make as a parent, I remember calling my mom up. And I remember saying, Mom, I just want to thank you for everything. Because I didn't realize how much you actually did sacrifice for me until now. Heard about this little boy, eight-year-old boy, decided he was going to write his mom a letter. And so he grabbed a crayon, grabbed a piece of paper. He said, Mom, I fed the dog. You owe me one dollar. Mom, I took out the trash. You owe me one dollar. Mom, I did the dishes. You owe me two dollars. Mom, Mom, I cleaned my room. You owe me two dollars. Mom, I, I cleaned the bathroom. You owe me two dollars. Mom, I cleaned the living room. You owe me two dollars. Total bill, Mom, that you owe me is ten dollars. So the mom decided she was going to write a letter back to her son. She said, son, for eight years, I've washed your dirty clothes. You owe me $5,000. Son, for eight years, I've bought and prepared meals for you every day. So you owe me $6,000. Son, for eight years, I have cleaned up after you. You owe me $10,000. For eight years, I stayed up with you when you were sick and I doctored you, you owe me $20,000. But the total bill that you owe me is free because I love you. I'm telling you kids, we need to appreciate our parents. They do more than we realize. We need to appreciate them. They need it. Let them know that you see what they do. Even if you don't think they do much, let them know you appreciate what they've done. You say, well, man, I, I just hadn't done a real good job at these. You know, you know the secret to being a great parent and the secret to being a great kid? You know what the secret is? It's the same secret, the magic glue that we talked about last week. You need the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus. You want to love your kids the way that you need? You need Jesus. You want to lift them up the way that they need to be lifted up? You need Jesus. You want to limit them the way that they need to be limited? You need Jesus. You want to do all those other things that we talked about properly? You need Jesus. You want to be the kid that you need to be for your parents? You need Jesus. And I'm telling you today that he is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the secret to having a great family. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, but I wonder today if there's maybe some parents here, parents who would just say, hey, you know what, I hadn't, I hadn't done the best job at doing these seven things for my kids. And you'd say, Robert, will you pray for me? If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you are? Amen. We wonder sometimes why our world's so messed up. A lot of times it's because we as parents aren't doing the right thing. And don't get me wrong, you can do all the right things 
And your kid can still make poor choices. They got a free will. But I'm telling you, your kids need these things. Father, I pray for these parents who've raised their hands. Father, I pray that you would encourage them, empower them to do all the things that they need to do for their kids. Maybe you're hearing your child, though. You say, hey, you know what? I, I, I really haven't been addressing my parents properly. I haven't really accepted them. I haven't really appreciated them. I've been dishonoring them and disrespecting them. You say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I'll do better as a child? You don't have to be a little kid. You can even be an adult, but you haven't been, haven't been treating your parent the way that they need. You say, Pastor, pray for me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand too? A lot of hands. Father, I pray that you would help these children. Help these children to do right by their parents. We're going to continue to pray, though. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But I wonder today if maybe you walked in here and you've just been kind of just been lost when it comes to being a parent. Maybe maybe even lost when it comes to being a kid. Man, you've just been living for yourself. You come in today and you realize that you need something, especially if you're going to do all these things properly. I'm telling you what you need is Jesus. So today, if you want to give him your heart and your life, you want to be made into a completely new person, that can happen right now. So if you'd say, I want to surrender to him, I want to be saved. I'm going to ask you right where are you pray this prayer. Father in heaven, forgive me for all of my sins. I pray that you would save me. Father, I need you. So, Father, I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Make me into a new person like your word promises so that I can be who it is that you want me to be and that I need to be. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but if you prayed today to be saved, you prayed that prayer right where you are, would you just do me a favor and lift your hand? Amen, 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 amen. (laughs) Father, we celebrate new life. We celebrate changed We celebrate what you're doing. And I ask that you would continue to move in the lives of each family that's here today. Pray that you would continue to move in the lives of each person that's here today. I pray all this in the precious name of Jesus.